even now, even as in the first service, to begin to create in each one a new heart, outpouring a fresh oil, a fresh anointing for a new way, a new way, not the old way, but a new way for this generation, for this time, for this season. For we are in the kingdom for such a time as this, not a past time that would take place. We are not here in the age of the book of Acts. We are here in 2020 in a lost and a dying world, a world full of confusion and havoc. And you brought and desire for us, the church, to arise and to shine for such a time as this, not a past time, but our time. So anoint us for our time, our season, our place in history. That the church would arise, this sleeping giant of a church. The bones would rattle, so to speak, and begin to rise, to shine, and cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We magnify and we glorify you. God, you're so good. You're so good. We thank you, Holy Spirit, coming upon each one to create change, to wash that which has brought defilement, to wash us clean, to strengthen us, to equip us, to go from this place and to see our city. Even as Pastor Stasha said, when we look out in some places we look, it looks hopeless, but can it live? Our neighborhood, our workplace, the people there, You're asking us, do we believe that it can live? Do we believe that person can accept Jesus? Do we believe that they can have eternal life? It's time for us to answer the question and begin to speak to those areas that you brought us into to live. I thank you, Lord. Equip us, grant us boldness to speak into those situations, life and more life. We thank you for it. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. Glory to God. Praise the name of Jesus. It's good to be with you this morning. Hallelujah. We've kind of thrown any order out the window this morning uh, in both services. Uh, Spirit of God moved differently in this service than that service. You can... Pick that up on online if you would like uh, to hear what the Spirit of God was saying to us, because I believe He says it as a church to us. Um, but uh, we're actively not just looking to duplicate something, but to follow the Holy Spirit. So, um, in fact, it's very hard to just duplicate it on your own um, since it's not scripted. So, uh, we're in just endeavoring to follow the Holy Spirit and and uh, do what He wants us to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to look at a couple of things, and and um, we want to we'll probably pray a little bit more. But open your Bibles to Revelation, the fifth chapter, and just to go over just a little bit uh, of understanding. It it won't be the same. This the Spirit of God is is different in this room. But in first service, as we were uh, ministering in the congregation, uh, you know, the Spirit of God coming into the house, and sometimes we think of Pentecost and and uh, think of you know, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. 
uh, and filled the house. And uh, then there were cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them, which is really just that the presence of God sat upon them. He is a consuming fire. And I believe not only the breath of God blew through that place, but the fire of God. So the breath of God, the life of God, the wind of the Spirit, right? When the Spirit came, there's life in it. Uh, uh, God breathed life into Adam. And so that breath of life, uh, 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 the power of the Spirit of God, then God sat on them a consuming fire to burn up the chaff or, or the sin. We talked about this a little bit last Sunday night. But sometimes we think, you know, as the church, well, the Holy Ghost is going to move and we're going to have a party. And believe me, I love parties and I love Holy Ghost parties. So don't get me wrong. This is just a little different exhortation. Because if we look at the day of Pentecost and we think we want to have Pentecostal fire, we're going to run around, we're going to have a great time. But really in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit blew through that place. And then he sat on them and consumed the things that, the, the, the fear that they had, the, 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 the selfishness that was in them. You know, those disciples, they, they fought over who was going to be the best, who was going to have the greatest ministry, who was going to sit at the right hand of God. And he burned that all up. And then they didn't run around and have a party. They went out. I believe there's a move of the Spirit of God that doesn't look like any move that we've had to this point. And I believe it's a, it's a move of the Spirit of God that's going to start with repentance, a consuming fire of God that consumes stuff in our life that has held us back and those weights that have beset us. And it's stirring and it's moving. And, and, and as I said before, and I know there's people here who, who are moving and following God's call, but when something like this happens, I'm not speaking to that issue right now, but when that happens and some of you are feeling it and some of it's happening, everybody, it's just like, wow, God's doing something. God's doing something in me. God's doing something right now. And, and, and if we're not careful, we, miss, we misguide that. And we're like, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta minister. I got to have a ministry. And God's moving because we all have to minister, but that doesn't mean we have an organization, right? And so I'm going to cover this. Some of you, God's called to ministry. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but we have to be careful to, to, to get our mind right about ministry. God's calling us and anointing us and appointing us to serve the people around us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they launched out full of the Holy Spirit, they went out, Right? And they were anointed to go out. They were anointed to go where they went. They were anointed in those places to break yokes of bondage, to minister. I believe God's working. We cover this area. I'm serious. Y'all are looking at me like a calf at a gate. We cover this area and the churches around here, if we all just receive from the Holy Spirit, that anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we went out, we cover, we cover from eagle to, to at least eagle to parachute to basalt. We cover all areas, all professions, all people, churches right there. It would seem like we could have a revival start like that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Seems like we could have a revival start just like that. But we have to know, it's not like, okay, let's just do it here. We, we do it here, we get built up, and we go out. But just think if everybody went out and won somebody to Jesus this week, and we came back in, just think what that service might be like. Amen. You're either going to have people come in, and healing's going to break out, deliverance is going to break out, or if it already broke out out there, we're going to have a testimony service break out. Because people will be so excited about their newness of life in Jesus... Instead of us coming like, wonder what he's going to say, and if he's going to get done, 
before noon. Come on. I'm just telling the truth. God's, God's on the move. He's doing something big. Amen. He's moving in the church. And that anointing and that wind of the Spirit will have moments where it just builds us up. But if it just comes in the house and swirls around like a whirlwind, and it doesn't take us out with power and demonstration with a voice to say what he says and to do what we see him do, it won't make a difference. And if we look out at the world today and we begin to look at the world today, anybody been looking out at the world today? Oh, just a couple of you. There's stuff going on every single day. When we started this series of messages, who told you, really, out of something that was stirring in my heart, I didn't even know, uh, really, anybody could know how things were going to continually unfold and how voices were going to get louder and louder and louder and what they were going to tell us and what they were going to say. And from that point of who told you and, and God instructed in Genesis, uh, he said, I've created all this stuff for you and everything. It's there for you to enjoy. All of it's there for you to enjoy. One thing, keep your eyes, keep your attention off that thing and keep it on everything else. And they got distracted by another voice. And they got distracted by a voice that was appealing to something in them that was true, but it was pulling them away from God. Instead of pushing them towards God and they paid attention to that voice, I believe in many ways it was a louder voice to them because it was speaking to a, something in their soul rather than something in their spirit. And God spoke directly to their spirit about living and having dominion and multiplying and eating of the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not that, is it right or is it wrong? Can I have it? Can I not have it? That knowledge of good and evil. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it too bad for me? Is it really that bad? Everybody else is doing it, not doing it. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not just about, oh, he knew good and now he got evil. No, it's about that question always. Is it too bad? Is it not bad enough? Maybe it's not too far. It's just far enough to feel challenged. No, it sucks you right in. And they went ahead and li listened to those louder voices. And God came and said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? What are the voices that are starting to, to, to ring into our life? What are they trying to say to us? And we need to understand that what we're dealing with right now and what we need to understand and bring everything back through the Word of God. Everything that we hear, we need to filter through the Word of God. We need to allow the Spirit of God to show us what this is saying. So I'm going to try to navigate this quickly yet bring some understanding to us not only of the day that we're in but why we need to really begin to tune in our hearing more and more revelation the fifth chapter revelation the fifth chapter so we begin to look out and we begin to look at our nation and the things that our nation is dealing with it's not really a difficult thing for us as a church to locate what we're going to pray and how we're going to say and how we're going to walk in the things that we need to and to walk in love. In Revelation chapter 5, starting verse 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Thank God for the Lamb. He fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. We are in a season of prayer, saints. 
We are in a season of prayer. I want to encourage you right now, today, I think Pastor Tasha said it uh, briefly, but listen, the temptation to get on, I know what the temptation is to stay up with what happened today. What are they saying today? What's the word today? How bad is it today? Listen, if you need to get a little glimpse of that so you can pray, but then shut the TV off and pray. It's a time for saints to pray. Listen, I'm just telling you, being in the know, trying to figure out to do what to do without praying out what to do first will get you in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong equipment. But praying, seeing this is what needs to be done. You feel pressed to action, but don't move without the leading of the Spirit of God. So what's God waiting for? Maybe he's waiting for it to be impossible. What's God waiting for? Maybe he's waiting so that we don't go do it ourselves and say, look what we did. Glory to God. Look what I accomplished. Glory to God. And still we're like, whoa, look what God did. Glory to God. Just maybe. Because we can get impatient like Alan said. Come on, God, you got to do something. Look at what's going on out there. I mean, seriously, do we really have to tell God what's going on out there? I mean, think about it when you're crying out to God. God, don't you see what's going on? You, que- you have to question your own faith that you actually believe that you serve a God that doesn't see what's going on. Come on, see how subtle your soul will be? Come on, God, you have to do something. Don't you see? He does see more than you see, more than I see. We catch ourselves getting soulish, wondering, when's God going to move? Doesn't God know what I know? Doesn't God see what I see? I would do something if I was God. Good thing we're not. And that's where our praying needs to be thrown right at the feet of God and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to pray through us with that amazing equipment that we got when we were baptized in the Holy Ghost to pray what we don't know concerning what God does know. So our praying moves him. The prayers of the saints. (laughs) And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you are slain and you have redeemed us unto God. Jesus was slain. Come on. Jesus was slain. We can look at a lot of things and get upset, the tragedy and the things that went on. But if we look at Jesus on the cross and that doesn't move you, something's wrong. If you can get moved by earthly things that stir people in their emotions and not look at the cross and see that the lamb was slain to redeem us unto God and not be moved as a church. Listen, the world is moved when they see something go on that seems like injustice. But we, the church, look at the lamb that was slain and we see the grave injustice of our sin placed upon him. To create justice for every, listen to this, every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. There is no distinction. No Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free. Jesus is in all and of all and through all. Come on, church. And because of that, we move in love to every tribe, 
every tongue, every people, every nation. Because Jesus does. And if we're not careful at all, we watch and we watch and we watch uh, flesh and blood. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to be strong, to be strong in the Lord. Now is not a time to be weak. Now is a time to be strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the enemy. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You watch every day. You watch flesh and blood clashing. You watch flesh and blood standing eyeball to eyeball, waiting to see what's going to happen. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our battle is spiritual. Our prayer is to bring down strongholds of the enemy. Flesh and blood can fight, and they can fight, and they can fight, and they can fight, and it's a distraction for the next thing that the enemy wants to undergird and to do in our culture. But if the church will pray and understand their battle is spiritual, not carnal. There may be things that God calls you to do in the natural, but if, you don't un- if we don't undergird that and understand where the true fight is at as the church. Call in on him. Because though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down every, everybody say every. Every. Casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are so many things pulling on emotion, so many things pulling on the mind, so much information coming 90 to nothing, machine gun, that we as the church need to be able to catch and to cast down the things that are contrary to the word of God before they penetrate our soul and begin to move our soul in a direction that our spirit man is not ready to go. It's the strong spirit of a man or a woman that sustains them in bodily harm and times of trouble. It's time for the church to strengthen itself by the spirit of God in our inner man that we would be rooted and we would be grounded and we would be established in the love of God, that love relationship with God that no matter what comes, famine, peril, nakedness, or sword, the trouble that hits this world could not move us or separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And it's that love of God that causes us to reach out towards others, not withdraw, but to move out because we see people and the love of Christ compels us to do something. Not emotion, not because we we feel bad about something. We're compelled by the love of God as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time listening, as we bring down the thoughts contrary to God. We get the proper direction and the proper motivation to move in the direction that God wants us to. 
so that we can be in the right place at the right time with the right equipment to do exactly what God wants us to do, that he might change situations and that Jesus might receive the glory. Because as we said last week from 1 Kings, that all these storms that are blowing from week to week, from day to day, ever-changing, God's not in the wind, God's not in the earthquake, God's not in the fire. We're looking, where, God, where are you in this? He says, I'm not in it. I'm in the still, small voice. I'm in the still, small voice. And we want God to speak louder. We want God, God, why don't you yell at me just a little bit louder? There's a lot of stuff going on here. God, don't you know there's a lot of stuff going on on the news, and I'm feeling pretty frazzled, and if you could just speak louder than all the stuff that's going on. And he's not going to do it. I'm just here to tell you he's not going to do it. Why? Because all that volume doesn't really have anything to do with relationship. It has to do with intimidation, and it has to do with pressure. But he said, if you'll draw near to me and come to know me and know my voice, I can speak softly in the midst of all this noise, and you'll still hear me. Amen. Some of you husbands know this. Some of you wives know this. As you get to know your spouse's voice, you can be in a place where a lot of people are talking. You can be in a room. A lot of stuff's going on, and all of a sudden, you just catch their voice. They may not even be talking to you. You just hear their voice because you can recognize it. And even though something's going on, there's a lot of voices going on, you all of a sudden hear, and they're talking. I'll do that sometimes. We're in a room. A lot of people are talking about a lot of stuff, and all of a sudden I'll hear Tasha's voice, and I, I, I have to just, even if I'm in a conversation, go, because I'm, I'm sure, I'm like, what's she saying about me? <laughs> She's got to be talking about me, right? But you can hear their voice, even though they're not talking to you, specifically louder than the noise, you, uh, you know their voice. Jesus said this, listen, the sheep know the shepherd's voice and a stranger's voice they'll not follow. Just because it's louder, just because it seems more domineering, I hear the shepherd's voice. The Holy Spirit wants you to know his voice and in all that, guess what? I hear the Holy Spirit. I wonder what he's saying about me. And most of the time he is saying something about you and he wants to say something to you and he wants to say something to me. So we have to get to that point where we really understand, listen, all these voices in the world and all this loud stuff and all these circumstances going on, but God is in the still, small voice. And if we want to know and be able to answer boldly when our life is transformed and changed, who told you you could live like this, that we can boldly say, the Lord told me that this would be my life. So to God said, who told you you had to settle for this kind of life? Who told you you had to settle for grief and sorrow? Who told you you had to settle for depression and anxiety? Who told you you had to settle for immorality and addiction? Who told you you had to settle for that? Not God. Who told you you were the victim when clearly the word of God says you're the victor? Who told you you weren't strong enough? He clearly said, I'll strengthen you in your inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. I'll make you stronger than just a human being. I'll make you spiritually strong. Who told you you weren't smart enough? He said, I've become unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 
Come on, there's so many things telling us so many things, and God wants to bring us up, and he wants to bring us out, and he wants us to never return. He wants us to get our focus not backwards on where we've been, but forwards on where he's taking us. And he's leading and he's guiding us into the truth of his word. As we said last week, his word is the number one way he speaks to us. James chapter 1 and verse 21, it tells us to put aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word or the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our soul. It's able to do something to our mind, our will, and our emotions that nothing else can do. The word of God comes in and it begins to change. If we'll allow it to and receive the word of God as his number one communication to us, it'll start to surround us and change the way we think and the way we emote about things. If we begin to obey the word of God and cast down arguments that are contrary to it, it changes how our thoughts are allowed to be run rampant by things and circumstances and feelings. And all of a sudden we focus on what the word of God says. And the power of the word of God, because it is his word, is forever settled in heaven. It will never pass away, will never come, and God will say, oops, I didn't mean that. God doesn't have, uh, oops, I didn't mean what I said. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, will he not do it? Well, listen, I've been waiting a a couple of weeks and God hasn't done anything. Well, God didn't say he would do it in your timing or my timing. He just said he would do it. He said there's something that comes to pass when his word in our heart becomes transformative in us. It's the power of the word. We receive that word of God implanted in our hearts, engrafted in us, just as we're engrafted into Christ. His word is engrafted into our soul, and it changes the way that we live. The first way he speaks to us is in his word. The second way he speaks to us is by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, and there's so much in, in the Holy Spirit, and there's just, we're just going to talk about four reasons why he speaks to us, why we need to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. Number one, Because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal the word to us. In other words, the the word of God is written, it's general, but the Holy Spirit's going to become specific to you and I. He is going to take the veil off of the word of God. You ever read scripture and just it didn't make any sense at all? It was like veiled to you. You're like, I don't know, I can't find, I can't really find anything in this. Although I'm led to this, I don't find anything in this. But all of a sudden, one day you read it, and it's like, what? It's because the Holy Spirit takes the veil off of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's talking about the children of Israel who when Moses came down from the mountain, he shone with the glory of the Lord. He was bringing the word or the commandments of God to them, and they veiled their face. He said, even till now, they read it, and there's a veil over their eyes. He said, but now the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. He's changing us into the same image. He's changing our life to be free from all of the junk and the things that weigh us down. 
but it takes revelation. Otherwise, we just look into the Word and we read it, and it's like another novel. It's like another book. It's like another wow, but he reveals it to us. This now becomes our life. And everything that we read in this, the Holy Spirit agrees with. He doesn't go off on some tangent and go, you know, I know this is what the Word says, but let me just tell you something different. He doesn't do that. The Word and the Spirit agree. The Word and the Spirit agree. He's always agreeing with the Word of God. He's bearing witness with the Word of God. God wants to show up the Word of God because what He said, He won't change His mind about. Every promise of God has its yes and its amen in Christ Jesus. He wants to reveal his word to us. Number two, he wants to lead us. He wants to lead us. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For God did not give us, for, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. If we're children, then we're heirs of his, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Word tells us that we were born again, but the Spirit of God comes and bears witness of that, gets more specific with that, gives us the challenge of being more specific. He begins to lead us into the specifics of the Word of God. We know that the Word of God says, you know what, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So young people, you're looking around going, well, I need to find a believer. Where's a believer? The Holy Spirit will help lead you to the believer. Right? He gives the general idea, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And sometimes we just look at that, we set that aside, and then we go ahead and yoke ourselves with an unbeliever. It creates all kinds of trouble in our life, and we're like, God, why don't you do something? And God said, well, I was trying to do something. I was trying to get you to a believer. But because your emotions took hold, you were led by something different. He says, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But the Holy Spirit will say, I want you to give over here. Because if you plant over here, it'll come back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He wants to make the world word alive to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to get down and guide us in places that otherwise we'd not go. He wants to bring the truth to us. It's that inward voice on the inside of you. He leads you. It's that, that inward witness, as we say. Right, most of you know that. Most of you have had an unction before of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you leave home and you get down the road a little bit and you go, oh, I got to go back and get something. You think, well, that was just me. Well, listen, if you had got all the way to where you were going and had to go all the way back, it wouldn't have saved you any time. So, well, I don't know that that was the Holy Spirit, just me. And as long as every time the Holy Spirit tries to teach you something, you say it was just me, you'll never hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But as you get into prayer and you start to understand, this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is where he's talking to me. And I line it up with the word of God. Now he can start to lead me in specifics, right? I began to look at the word of God and know that every single person is called to the ministry of reconciliation. I looked into the word of God and said, you know what? There are some giftings. There's, there's some offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And I knew that I was called into the ministry. I was supposed to go to Bible school. And I was praying things out, and when I graduated from Bible school, I had an opportunity to, uh, there was a couple opportunities I had to go straight into ministry. At the end of my school, I met this couple, Craig and Sharon McCune, and they were from Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and they had just started a church. They'd come uh, back to school uh, to interview some people to maybe come work with them, 
But God spoke to them while they were there and said, don't bring anybody from outside uh, to work with you. So when I interviewed with them, they said, good to meet you. Uh, we didn't really come to bring anybody home with us. We didn't come to hire anybody. We didn't come with a ministry position. Great, nice to meet them. A couple months left back to school. I'm praying, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Had an offer in Tucson, Arizona to go and begin an internship in the ministry. I was excited about that. I'm leaning that way, and it just kept coming up on the inside. I want you to go to Glenwood Springs and help that couple. I'm like, they're not hiring anybody. Anybody ever got that? I'm like, they're not, they don't want anybody. So then I called Pastor Craig. I called him. I said, hey, I, I believe, uh, you remember me? He's like, I think I remember you. I, I said, I met you and tried to line all that out. I, I met you, and uh, I believe God's calling me to Glenwood Springs to help you out. And he goes, well, wow. Oh. Well, I just need to tell you there's not a position for you here. Like, you're probably going to have to get a job or something. And so I'm like, okay, okay. You know, you'd think at least a pastor would go, woo, God called you here. He was like, uh, probably not. So I hung up. I said, God, he, he doesn't even want me here. The Spirit of God said, I want you to go there. I want you to help them with whatever they need help with. He was leading me. I could have had a general call and said, God, do you want me to go into ministry? I'll go wherever the greatest opportunity is. I have an opportunity in Tucson, and in fact, I thought the Holy Spirit was leading me to Tucson to meet those people, meet those pastors, and now, and because I met them, and they like me so much, they want me to do an internship, but I found out in going back that the Spirit of God led me to Tucson to make things right with my dad, who I'd had some problems with, and then sent me back to school and to Glenwood Springs, because he said, if you don't make things right with your dad, you'll never be able to minister in the way that I've called you to minister. So he was ever leading and guiding me into and through the truth of his word and the application of the word to my life. Then I had an opportunity to go be an associate pastor. They were going to hire us and they were going to pay us. And Pastor Craig said, hey, somebody called. Go if you like. Again, he was kind of like, Go ahead. So I thought, all right, here's our opportunity. Started to pray, and the Holy Spirit said, did I tell you to leave? I said, well, here's an opportunity. It seems that it would be you. He said, no, I haven't told you to leave yet. And whether fortunately or unfortunately for you, he still hasn't told me to leave. <laughs> and so here we are. Listen, he wants to lead you and guide you. And it may be simple, and it may not be simple. He may just tell you, wait 10 minutes before you leave. And we're like, I, waited I wasted 10 minutes. Nothing happened. Ah, something happened. You could have left 10 minutes early and had an accident and gone, oh, the Spirit of God was talking to me. And that's what we normally do. We wait till something happens to know the Spirit of God talked to us. And then we wonder, why did this happen? And I'm just telling you, most of the time, the Spirit of God is trying to keep things from happening. So I have to hurry and close with this. Some of you know this. You've been around long enough. You've been with me to know all these things. The Holy Spirit doesn't, you know, we tell stories of how he led me into ministry. That was awesome. But he get, began to deal with me a few years back. Uh, in February, I went skiing in Copper Mountain and, and uh, uh, with some friends. I spent the night there. and I was getting ready for the next day. I was setting up the coffee in the, in the bathroom. And, and I was getting ready. And I had set all my coffee up. I was getting ready uh, for bed. 
And uh, all of a sudden, just from the inside, I knew what it was. There's just this unction. Look at the co- just look over at the coffee pot. It was, seemed strange to me, but I'm like, okay. And there's a bead about this big of water on the coffee pot from when I poured water in. It's just sitting there. I look over at it. And all of a sudden, without, you know, there was no earthquake or anything. It was just something caused it to break loose. And this bead of water just rolled like slow-mo off the top of this coffee pot. And I just watched it. I was almost mesmerized because I'm looking at it just. And I'm like, what is that? was weird. I really work hard to not do weird, <laughs> especially spiritually weird. I try not to do it. I'm like, that was super weird. So I came home after skiing, and I was at home. And uh, I, I sat down in the living room, and, and uh, uh, Tasha brought over to the, the end table uh, this glass of water. Then she went back into the kitchen, and she's on her way back. And just again, that unction on the inside, she's going to sit down, put her feet up, and knock that water over. And she sat down, knocked the water over. I was like, this is weird. And then you think, okay, God, I don't believe that God talks to you just to talk to you. I mean, there's got to be a purpose. So what's the purpose in watching this water? You know, so my mind starts to go, God's dealing with me about water. (laughs) But he wasn't dealing with me about water. He was just trying to get me to hone in on the small things. So he worked on me through all the summer. We came to November. And at that time, every November for 20, I think like 25 years, I had played tackle football with a bunch of guys on Thanksgiving weekend. I woke up that Sunday morning to get ready for church, and I went down to get my coffee, and I was getting my coffee, and that same voice that I've been practicing on, listening clearer and clearer, said, don't play football this morning. And I'm like, okay, that's the Holy Spirit. I got to church. People are like, you playing football today? You playing football today? I'm like, no, I'm not playing football today. Why aren't you playing football today? Come on, play football today. You can be the quarterback on both sides. That eliminates some of the... The, the, the tackling and the hitting and all that stuff. So after a few of those, I thought, okay, I think I know what the, I think I know what the Spirit of God's trying to do. A couple, week, a couple years before, I, I got banged on the knee and, and, and uh, I had my knee hurt, so I thought, I'll put that knee brace on. That'll cover that. I'll be real careful. I'll just do the offense. I'll do that. I'll put, put my knee brace on. I'll be good. I got, I got it figured out. God, I got this one. I know you don't want me to play. You don't want my knee to be hurt. I got it. I got it figured out. So I thought I had it all figured out. Went to the football game. I wasn't there five minutes. I rushed the quarterback. Just if you want to know who did this all to me, his name's Casey Dunlap. (laughs) Just kidding. He was in first service. So he goes back, and I grab him. I grab him by the collar, and he just does a, a regular. I have him, and he has the football, and he just spins out like you normally would. And my arm goes extended like this. I got a hold of his shirt. It goes extended like this. And then when it did, I felt this click. I look down at my arm and my biceps clear up here. My bicep tendon came loose. I immediately, it didn't, I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but it took me not even a fraction of a second to know, oh, this is why I wasn't supposed to play football. And then everybody rushed over. I said, I think I got a problem here. And all the guys started praying. And then there's a real challenge, like how are we going to pray in faith? I'm in deliberate disobedience to the Spirit of God right now. So how are we going to do this? But they weren't in disobedience to God. Thank God. They prayed in faith because I've talked to people who said it was so painful for them. I had no pain. I had no pain in the whole process of, of that bicep being connected. 
But people would say, why did God let that happen to you if he knew that was going to happen? God didn't let that happen to me. The Holy Spirit told me specifically, don't do that. Do you know how many things are happening to people that were wondering why? Why did that happen? Why didn't God? Why didn't? We're not giving ear to hear. Told the first service, well, who told you you could play football? Who told you? I said, Jeff Powers. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit told me not to. See, we hear the good stories. The Holy Spirit was leading and guiding me, but there's so many times that the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. How many marriages would be saved if we just listened to the Holy Spirit? All right, I got to close. I didn't even really scratch the surface. So he wants to reveal the word. He wants to lead us. Number three, he wants to guide us. Jesus said he'd guide you into all the truth. He's your guide. He'll say, this is truth for you. This is a lie. And fourth, he wants to empower you to overcome sin in your life. Romans. Romans, the seventh chapter. Six verse, NLT, it says, Now we have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Romans 8, 2, New Living Translation says, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Romans 8, 6 says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. The Spirit of God is always trying to keep you from trouble. He's always trying to keep you from trouble. We look around us. People are down and out. They're in trouble. They're suffering from trouble. They want to know why God, why God. But we haven't listened to the voice. Who told you you could go over there and get yourself into trouble? Who told you that that wouldn't cause a problem for you? Right? What are we really following? Who are we really following after? If we're not careful in these days that we live in, there are so many voices, so much stuff going on that you'll buy into that you have to come back and say, this is what God is saying to me. This is what his word says. Well, I don't understand that how that applies to me. Then we begin to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, and he'll give you wisdom, which is application of the word. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and glorify you. Holy Spirit, help us in this day and this time that we live in, this troublesome time that we live in. In our nation, help us as the church to arise And not just to arise from a a feeling standpoint of of, of what maybe we could do or should do, but to arise with strength in our spirit man. Understanding the, the word of God and allowing the spirit of God to lead us, to guide us in the application of that word. That we truly might live life to the overflow. That we might have the power to bring life and strength to those who are hurting and lost. So we thank you, Lord. I pray for that anointing of the Spirit of God to come upon each one as we leave this place. That they don't leave this place just like they came, 
casually moving, but they leave with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God to go out through their week with an awareness of your voice and your leading, that you would lead and guide them across people's paths who don't know Jesus, those who are scared, those who are hurting, those who are sick, and they bring life and they bring strength and health and power to them. Anoint each one, I pray, that we might have impact and effect on the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.